0: You are listening to the Fretzelmania podcast on Anchor.fm. folks. Welcome to the Fretzelmania podcast. I am your host, Mr. Fretz. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the TheLegendaryJF. You can find me also on Facebook. Uh, just search for Fretzelmania, F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania. Uh, this podcast can be found on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and literally anywhere else podcasts can be found. Also, also, you can find me on Thursdays on the game changer podcast with Nate the F and great at real F and games so give him give him a follow give him a listen and give wrestle addict radio a follow at addict underscore wrestle where you can also find Kings of the Rings podcast not your mom soap opera fourth Wall wrestle cast <clears throat> and uh, oh Gift of podcast with Matt. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry, folks. This podcast, though, Fretzelmania, it's gonna stay here on Anchor. Uh, my solo show is not gonna be on on Wrestleatic Radio, but you might hear a lot less of this and a lot more of me on the Game Changer. So I decided to go back in time a little bit here. We this today, I'm gonna be rebooking. King of the Ring, 1995. Now, this is widely regarded as one of the worst, but I'm going to get into that in a moment. But first, cheap plug. You should listen to me on Podcoin. And Podcoin is just—it's a free app on your on your Apple or your um, or your Android. Listen to podcasts. You get uh, currency for every 10 minutes you listen. Eventually, you can use this to buy gift cards or donate to charity. So, PodCoin, if you use my special code Fretz7W6, that's F R E T Z seven lowercase W six, you can get some bonus uh, currency to go towards go towards your stuff there. So, why don't you uh, give, give, give that a try? Warren Hayes, thanks for the recommendation. Uh, I know you did this a couple months ago, but I'm still going to try and plug these guys. Oh, a little bit longer. So, this week on the Game Changer podcast, Nate and I were going to talk about our best of the overall King of the Ring pay-per-views. And when I do retro reviews, I like to go back in the Wayback Machine and look at what the world was like in this time in movies, video games, uh, songs, television, etc. Kind of like how um thirty twenty ten on on la- on the laser time podcast uh likes likes to do that uh chris antista and all of them that's that's a another great pop culture podcast if you like movies games and all that and just general pop culture retro um shows they are they are worth a listen as well uh 30 20, 10. <laughs> so before i delve into this pile of shit that is this pay-per-view i'm gonna do a little bit of a uh a Wayne's World style cutaway. <laughs> so, June nineteen ninety five. The songs at the top of the charts were "Have You Ever Really Loved a Woman" by Brian Adams, and "Waterfalls" by TLC. Every every public school elementary school dance I was at from this point played that song. In the arcades, we had Street Fighter. Alpha, one of the forgotten titles from the Street Fighter franchise. At this point in time, I was still playing Super Street Fighter on the Sega Genesis at my cousin's farm. Shout out to to my cousins there. Um, I was still playing, you know, Champion Edition on the Sega Genesis. Uh, I didn't play any Street Fighter Alpha until Street Fighter Alpha Three on the PlayStation One. And that was a criminally underrated title, at least in my opinion. And on the Super Nintendo, a historic RPG that has not had a lot of love over the years, but I hope in the future we'll get current releases. Although it is on things like the Super Nintendo Classic and the Wii U eShop. Of course, I am talking about Earthbound, a.k.a. Mother 2? Uh, for, for, forgive me if I got that right, but Earthbound, just an amazing, silly, weird, gross, cartoony RPG that, of course, sees characters like like Ness and Lucas appearing in Smash Bros. and maybe even uh, who's the female and uh, character Paula, I think, and Pooh. <laughs> Pooh, uh, those are characters I would also like to see in in another iteration of Smash. And in theaters, we had Congo, Pocahontas, Mighty Morphin, Power Rangers, the movie. The first movie soundtrack I ever bought because it had Van Halen on it. And shut up. I know it was Van Hagar Van Halen, but I don't care. I love Sammy Hagar. And this non-factor, no-name, uh, computer graphics cartoony movie by... Pixar, I think they're called. Toy Story. I mean, come on. Uh, I I can't be sarcastic about Toy Story because it was effing amazing. And uh, I'm a little bit uh, hot at the fact that there's a Toy Story 4 because of how perfectly Toy Story 3 ended, but Pixar, uh, Disney, they just want all of our money. And I have... No desire to see Toy Story 4 because Toy Story 3 fucking scarred me for life with that ending. Ah, uh, my ah, uh, no. So, back to 2019. <coughs> oh, no, wait, no. Back to 1995. <coughs> okay, I'm gonna stop doing that. Um, we have King of the Ring 1995. Now, if you followed my my blog site fretzelmania.wordpress.com, you'll know that last year i spent uh, some time rebooking the entire year of 1995 pay-per-view by pay-per-view and it was an arduous task and it got to be really hard at the end um to really understand my context for this pay-per-view you might have to go back and read it i might even bring it here on podcast form if uh i have time or if i feel like it uh Maybe in the fall when I am uh, when I have a little bit more time on my hands and I'm not on, on night shift, I might just bring it in as, a, as an occasional uh, show on Anchor.fm just uh, for, for all three of you guys. <laughs> so, King of the Ring 1995. One of the most universally despised pay-per-views in WWE history. Now, 1995 was not that good of a year. I mean, if you should read, uh, I think it was called Titan Sinking by um, Mark Dick Dixon. I I I remember his name was James Dixon. Uh, He wrote a a trilogy of 1995, 96 and 97, uh, which were kind of um, lean years for the WWE, to say the least. Uh, This talks about all the goings on. You know, we had, you know, the click kind of taking control backstage. We had low ratings. We had. Silly gimmicks. I mean, this 1995 was the year we saw Fantasio and mantar and Techno Team 2000. So, needless to say, things were kind of, you know, WCW wasn't faring much better because we had, you know, the yeti and and Loch Ness and um, the Dungeon of Doom. Oh my goodness, I can spend time talking about that train wreck. Um, So. While this event was not quite as bad as December to Dismember or um, the Saudi shows, it was a pretty brutal three hours. I mean, the Philly crowd was really, really snarky and smarky. Uh, this was one of the first times I ever heard a crowd so vile towards the things going on in the ring. Um, I know I was only 11 at this point in time, and I was only casually watching... Superstars, some, some weeks, um, it, oh, man, you know, we had, you know, ECW was brand new at the time we had, they were showering ECW chants into the ring and throwing stuff at Mabel when he was being coronated. Now, I don't like to speak ill of the dead. I loved Mabel when I was 10 men on a mission. They were my jam. I mean like any other uh kid in a small town in Ontario I listened to to Chris Cross and Cypress Hill and you know any other rap early 90s raps rappers and Vanilla Ice Snow although being a a fan of metal and rock I had a soft spot for for cheesy 90s rap OPP you know me um I like his gimmick his rapper gimmick was cool. It was kid friendly. Everyone could get into it. You know, wave your hands in the air. And and Oscar's rap and and everything, right? Um, but his nelson Fraser Jr., Mabel, Viscera, Big Daddy V, sweet man. Very, very sweet man. I hear nothing but nothing but nice things from you know from Pritchard and anyone that that worked for him. But seriously, that's the guy you pick for King of the Ring. That's the guy you pick for a heel run against Diesel. That's who you who you pick despite the rest of the roster in nineteen ninety five. The roster that wasn't even booked on this show. I mean Owen Hart, British Bulldog, like one, two, three kid, although he was injured. Razor Ramon, although he was also injured. Jeff Jarrett, I think he was also hurt too. But like Adam Baum, I mean he wasn't great, but he could have had a match on the card. He could get he could get a pop. But my goodness, the, the the tournament bracket in this was absolutely insulting given the roster. The filler matches were nothing to write home about either. Although you know, Bret Hart versus Jerry Lawler kissed my foot. That was fun. You know, it was nice to see Bret Hart finally get his comeuppance on Lawler after seemingly years of of insults and interference and costing him a match against friggin' Hakushi who is amazing, by the way. But anyways, I'm going to have to delete this abomination of a show, throw it into into the lake of reincarnation, and 24 years later, make it wonderful. Oh, and spoiler alert, Mabel doesn't win. You're welcome, Damien Sando, Perry Saturn. Um... Anyways, get on to get on with the show here, in the, f- in the free-for-all, it is announced that the Intercontinental title has been declared vacant and will be awarded to the winner of the tournament. Since Razor Ramon is injured, he cannot compete for 30 days and not fulfill his contractual obligations, and will have to get rid of the title. So the winner of the King of the Ring gets the Intercontinental title, but Razor Ramon gets first crack at him at July In Your House. Here we go, starting with the quarterfinals. Adam Bomb goes over Mabel. This is the In Your House, I think, free-for-all match from the previous month. It'll happen here. You know, Mabel gets the early power advantage with his power and size, and even connecting with his really, really bad boss man slam. He tries to get heat by climbing to the second rope for a splash, but he takes too long working the crowd. Allowing Atom Bomb to climb the top rope and nail the Neutron Bomb, aka Diving Clothesline, for the win, advancing to the next round. Here we have the next, the second quarterfinal match, the British Bulldog going over Lex Luger. The Allied Powers Explode! Or whatever that sax music was for the Mega Powers. For one match, Davey is starting to tease. Heel tactics, but you know, of course, Lex—he's not having any of it. He wants to have his moment. It's been two years. It's been a year and a bit since he's had a title shot, so it's—it's it's time for Lex, Lex to get back into the swing of things. He wants to get back into the upper echelon of the WWE. So they try to outpower each other, and of course, they hit both of their finishers. We see a a running power slam, but Lex Luger escapes to the outside. We see a flying forearm, but It's right near the ropes, and Bulldog was flying to the outside. Not wanting a count-out, they make their way back into the ring. Davey Boy reverses a Rebel Rack torture rack into a crucifix for the pin. They shake hands after the match, but still Davey is kind of reluctant and teasing something of a heel turn. And in the next match here, we will have... Owen Hart going up against Bob Holly. The two have a technical barn burner before Holly injures his leg, hitting the Alabama jam on Owen. And after taking too long to recover and go for the pin, Owen kicks out his leg out of his leg. I know he works the knee and eventually wins with a sharp shooter. Owen Hart vows to be king of the ring and bring prestige. Back to the Intercontinental title, and he'll say he'll be an even better king than Brett, and he will be the WWE champion eventually. Next match. Now this one's this one's gonna this one's gonna piss some people off, but we had one, two, three kid versus Jeff Jarrett. Double count out. Owen Hart receives a bye and treats it like he already won. He treats it like he won the Stanley Cup, he treats it like the St. Louis Blues winning the Stanley Cup and saying the F-bomb 25 times on national TV and treating it like my Toronto Raptors winning the NBA championship. Hashtag we the North. Ah, I had to get that in there somehow. <laughs> Congratulations, Raptors and Blues. Thank you for beating the Boston Bruins on behalf of Leaf Nation. So this is a match that's going to have that happen IRL, but I'm going to put it here at, just for filler. I don't know why. Don't, don't ask me why, but Diesel and Bam Bam over Sid and Tatanka in order to further this feud between Sid and Diesel that I also wrote in my entirely rebooking of 1995, which you can catch on my blog and maybe in the future on this podcast. So we have the faces win when Diesel hits a power bomb and then Bam Bam hits a diving headbutt onto Tatanka. Sid and Diesel do the duck and special and brawl to the back. So we get another match at July's in your house. But on the bright side, Diesel isn't champion. In my storyline here, Diesel is not the WWE champion. Who is? You're going to have to wait and find out after this commercial break. Stay tuned, Marks. And here's the rest of my rebooking of King of the Ring 1995. So, we've had a return hype package For the return of Shawn Michaels, who had been out with an injury for quite some time. And he is here to wrestle and defeat quite handily IRS. This is a return match to get Shawn over as a top babyface. And to to start to get him up, up the main card. So Shawn Michaels, sweet chin music, tunes up the band. And it's over. In the semifinals of the King of the Ring. Their British Bulldog defeats Adam Bomb in a decent back-and-forth match. Yes, I said decent match with Adam Bomb. If you have a guy like Davey Boy in there, he can carry it. Uh, so we have a great back-and-forth match. Power spots, you know, era gimmick stuff back-and-forth. Davey wins after reversing an Atom Smasher, which I believe was his version of the, of the pump-handle slam called the Meltdown in WCW. Unless the Atom Smasher was that powerbomb that Atom Bomb did. Anyways, let's just say we reversed the meltdown into a running power slam of his own by the Bulldog. And the Bulldog advances to the finals to wrestle Owen Hart, who received a bye in the previous round. And next is the WWE title match. World Champion Bret Hart. Yes, he is still WWE Champion in June of 95. In my universe... He defeats Jerry Lawler in a Kiss My Foot match. Same as before. Same result. And in the finals, Owen Hart over the British Bulldog to win the King of the Ring and the Intercontinental title. Owen says now he is better than Brett because he is a back-to-back King of the Ring and will always be the King of Hearts. Uh, A little known fact though, Brett Hart is also a two-time King of the Ring winner technically. Um, We know that in the past, we had King of the Rings like Haku and Harley Race and the Macho King, Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. And Bret Hart actually won a King of the Ring in 1991. So, Owen, almost, almost, buddy. And then this will also come into play later on. Like Nothing Bret can do will make him better. This will also come into play when Owen Hart wins two slammies And he's like... I have a two-time King of the Ring and a two-time Slammy Brett. What are you? Oh, and by this time, Owen will be a WWE champion, so keep an eye on that. Because I might bring in the rest of 1995 into some future bookings here. So, how's that? Is that better? Is that worse? Let me know. Tweet me at the TheLegendaryJF. Keep, keep your ears open for me on the Game Changer podcast this week with Nate the Effing Great on Wrestle Attic Radio keep wrestling real now what's next i just told you what next foo um anyways uh happy father's day to my dad and my brother who's a dad and any other dad dads or stepdads or father figures in the world out there um i'm not gonna get sappy you know you know where i'm going love y'all so Listen to WrestleAddict Radio, listen to the Game Changer podcast, listen to Fretzelmania, Twitter at the Legendary JF, and WrestleAddict Radio at Addict underscore Wrestle. All the cheat plugs out of the way. I'm out of here, folks. Uh, have a wonderful uh, week. Hashtag WeTheNorth.